you're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, welcome to Bugs Island, Kerr Lake, Virginia. It's another Mr. Crappie Qualifier this weekend. Is, uh, some of the top crappie anglers from across North America work in this second of two qualifiers. First one was in Natchitoches, Louisiana a few weeks ago. This is the second and last opportunity for crappie anglers to qualify for the Mr. Crappie Classic coming up in Branson, Missouri this October, Table Rock Lake. This is an absolutely gorgeous part of the world here in Virginia. Front Door to the Camp House is brought to you by my friends at Fortiflora from Purina Veterinary Diets. If you own a dog, you really ought to keep Fortiflora in the fridge. America's number one canine probiotic. Well, we're traveling this week, and we're also, like last week, revisiting some conversations with old friends. Maybe you're a Ron Spomer fan. I am. He writes and has written for all of the top outdoor magazines through the years. And on a crisp Montana morning a few years back, he and I sat out on the patio and had a cup of coffee and a good conversation. Ron Spomer. Let's talk about the early days, your first remembrances of a rod and reel in your hand or a, or a, a shotgun in your hand. What do you remember? Oh, I remember Mom and Dad taking me to the James River in South Dakota, which is just a pretty much a mud puddle, and uh, catching bullheads and carp. And somehow my worm managed to get eaten by a bluegill, which I had never seen before. It was the first fish I ever caught. And, and, and you, being a typical five-year-old or whatever I was, I was screwing up and not getting anything, and I finally caught a fish and I heaved that thing out of the water so hard that it flew over my head and landed in my <laughs> landed in my mother's lap and she didn't particularly like fish. <laughs> How many hunting and fishing careers have been launched by a, by an innocent bluegill? Yeah, no kidding. What a great way to get started. But you know that the neat thing about being a country kid back in those days, you know, we're looking at the 60s. It was still pretty much rural America, and I was a farm kid. And you know what it's like being out in the in a farm country. You're experiencing it firsthand all the time, running around out in the fields and the woods and the bushes, and just you you develop this kinship with nature that just never leaves you. And that has driven me all my life. By the time I was in high school, they were calling me Jungle Boy because all I did was <laughs> go out and hunt fish and make fortune camp. And, and I just figured I needed to have a career in this line of work. Yeah. And, and what could I possibly do? And I had an English teacher who told me that I wrote pretty well, and it was not anything I studied or learned. It was just some people have a knack for music, some for math. I could write fairly well. And he said, you might consider doing some writing for these magazines like Outdoor Life and Field and Stream and stuff. So I latched onto that idea and thought I'm going to try it. Yeah. And being a fairly pragmatic farm kid, you know, you had to have some real skills, carpentry and farming and all that stuff. But my dad was saying, what are you going to do for a living? you got to develop something, go to college, get some degree. And yeah, that made sense. So I went to college and I figured, well, I'll pick up a degree in education so I can teach school and I'll at least get the summer months off to fish. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really prefer to have the fall off, Good but plan. what the heck, yeah. So I did and I still thought, okay, I'll get a degree and I'll be able to be a teacher, got a certificate, but I still want to write. So when I got out, I thought I better get started, I better write something. So while I was teaching part-time, I wrote five articles just to see what would happen and sent them in over the transom blind, just said, here's the story, and it makes it a fake. 
sales on its own and sold all five of those. Wow. Yeah. What was the first thing you wrote that made a paycheck for you, made a check? You know, I don't remember which one of the five because I sort of did them all at once, but one of them was Fur Fishing Game, and I think I got $75 for it. But then I sold one to American Rifleman and American Hunter, one each, and I think those were $350 in those days. Wow. Big money, man, for a South Dakota kid, for anyone. Yeah, man. (laughs) Beat uh, being up shingling roofs all day. Yeah. (laughs) What part of South Dakota did you grow up in? What was your hometown? Well, home country was down in the southeast between Mitchell and Yankton in that southeast corner. And my dad had a little butcher shop after a few years. He quit farming and he started the butcher shop. So every fall, all the hunters would come in from Chicago and Omaha and, oh, you'd see their fancy shotguns and their dogs. And, wow, that was really something. And my dad cleaned the pheasants, get a bunch of farm wives in there, and they'd all clean pheasants and put them up for these folks. And then when deer season came around, we would be doing that. So I was always seeing the game coming in, and it just drove me even more to want to get out there and join the guys. Yeah, the cycle of life uh, before your eyes there. You witnessed that. Um, we live in a different day and age now. When you and I were in high school, Ron, we went to school with our shotguns or our deer rifles in the gun rack in the back of the truck, there, right. visible to everyone. Doors of the truck unlocked. We didn't have to worry about anyone grabbing that rifle and doing anything with it. No one had a thought of some of the things that we see today. Um, our government's response to uh, horrible things that happen, terrorism, uh, is to take our guns away. And it just absolutely flusters me because it makes no sense. Yeah, it does make no sense, but it's so easy for them to do. You know, Rather than deal and wrestle with hard issues like people being psychotic or going crazy or what makes people do these sorts of things, it's easier to blame an inanimate object. Yeah. But I think we pretty much all know, and we saw it in France, what sort of gun registrations and legal things are involved in France to have a weapon. Nobody over there gets to have an AR of any kind or even an auto-loading shotgun, I don't think. Yet the criminals somehow get a hold of them. The terrorists get a hold of them. You don't stop it. We've seen it again and again and again in this country. You go to the cities with the highest crime rates, and they have the toughest gun regulations. Why is that? So it's obviously not the object. It's the person behind it. That's Ron Spomer. Front door to the camp house brought to you by Calming Care. Settles the overactive dog, the overparker, the overjumper. Learn more about Calming Care when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com. Let's grab a cup of coffee and then we're going to go handgun hunting. It's Handgun Hunting 101 with Larry Wysoon. Folks, this is Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail. You know, boys, I had to go all the way to New Zealand to shoot that stag. I wish you'd quit hanging your hats on him. You'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot there at Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over 10 pounds. Yes, sir. Three times, uh, twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck, headed for the fishing hole. A long time ago. I had an uncle. Uncle Jim got me started. And it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers. Looked like a bumblebee. And that started it all. Three 10-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family. And Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer, a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too. Especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. 
nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. I'm Tom Watson with Bended Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. It's time for spring turkeys. Stop in and see the fine folks at Marksman Firearms for guns, ammo, sights, scopes, and accessories. They've got stores in Granbury, Colleen, Mansfield, and Wichita Falls. Texas-owned, Texas-proud. Military and first responders get a 10% discount. And they offer 90-day layaway, same as cash. For more info, visit MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. Don't head to the country without stopping at Teskey's Outdoors and Weatherford. I'm Randy Jackson reminding you that we are on the way to the ranch just west of Weatherford on the south side of Interstate 20. We have rifles, pistols, shotguns, all from dependable names like Smith & Wesson, Browning, Beretta, Christensen, Megara, Six Hour, Winchester, and many more. Be sure to ask about our used gun selection, too. Teskey's Outdoors can deck you out for the field and the boat with outdoor wear from Patagonia, Cool, Sims, Howler Brothers, Ariat, Free Fly, Sitka, North Face, and many others. We are a one-stop shop on your way to the rancher lease with ammo for ducks, dove, quail, deer, varmints, and even tin cans. Heck, you can buy your hunting and fishing license at Teskey's Outdoors in Weatherford. Bring the trader, deer blinds, feed, and feeders available, too. We have what you need and what you forgot to pack when you left the house. Teskey's Outdoors on the south side of I-20, just west of Weatherford. Our warm campfire is always the gathering spot, no matter the weather. Tall tales and life's tough spots get worked out here. This is Kinder Outdoors. And this corner of the camp house is brought to you by Fortiflora. If you own a dog, you really need to keep Fortiflora in the refrigerator. It stops GI upset. America's number one canine probiotic, Fortiflora. One of my all-time favorite, hands down, no doubt, Dallas Cowboys and NFL players was fullback Walt Garrison. He played for Tom Landry back in the 70s and was a cowboy on the football field and in the rodeo arena. 
Love to hunt and fish, too. We had a good visit about it a while back. Walt, thank you for being here, buddy. And I've got to ask you this. You played football at Oklahoma State University. You were never offered a scholarship to the University of Texas, and I heard you had a chance to ask Daryl Royal why one time. I did. I was playing in the golf tournament. He was playing with Willie Nelson down there in Brownsville, Texas. And I said, Coach, I said, you know, I said, man, you got to be friends. I said, you know, and I, I wondered why you didn't recruit me in Texas. He said, you know, Walt, he said, after uh, getting to know you, he said, I went back in the archives and looked at all these film that people send in over the years, and he got them all categorized and stuff, and, and he said, I looked at the films they sent. He said, you know, in high school, he said, you weren't worth a <laughs> were you? <laughs> and he's right, I wasn't. <laughs> what a great story. Walt Garrison, uh, you went on uh, and, and became a pretty darn good football player, and of course, spent your entire NFL career with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, these days, guys, when they sign, they get a signing bonus, and it's millions and millions of dollars, usually. What did you get as a signing bonus when you signed with the Dallas Cowboys? Well, people made a big deal out of it. I mean, I got a new car, which I've never had a new anything in my life, you know, and, and uh, I got a new horse trailer, one of the best, at that time, the great Miley Inline Trailer. Oh, yeah. And uh, I Miley. thought, man, that is unbelievable to get that. Yeah. And I think I got $15,000 cash, <laughs> you know, so I was very wealthy. Now, Walt, I know under Coach Landry, he kept you guys uh, pretty busy back in the day. When did you ever find time to go hunting and fishing, which I know you've loved all your life? Well, I mean, back then, uh, I mean, we had Mondays off, and uh, especially during dove or quail season, you know, dove season especially, we'd go hunting, but I never went hunting without, like, Dan Reeves was my roommate, Leroy Jordan, Bob Lilly was a great shot, you know, uh, Dennis Holman, uh, Dave Edwards. I mean, we all went together. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, I'll go with my buddies outside of football. I mean, my buddies were in football. Right. I mean, because you live with them, uh, oh, gosh seven, eight months a year, you yeah. know, so uh, you're closer to them than you are your family almost. You mentioned uh, Bob Lilly, good Throckmorton, Texas boy. I'm sure he grew up doing a lot of shooting. He, I, I hunted a lot with Bob. Bob was a great shot. He great shot with a shotgun, great shot with a rifle. Uh, we went antelope hunting uh, uh, and mouflon hunting down in uh, Alpine, Texas. Me and him and Chuck Halley and uh, I think Leroy went with us. And uh, Bob always loved to hunt. And he could shoot. I was doing a little research on you, Walt, and I, I grabbed an old Malakoff, Texas newspaper that says back in the 70s, early 70s, you and Bob Lilly went on a deer hunt in East Texas with a, a kid named Goober Evans, 10-year-old. Goober shot two deer that day, and you didn't shoot a deer. And one of Bob Lilly's rules was whoever shot a deer got to kick whoever didn't shoot a deer right in the rump. And Goober said that was the highlight of his life. He got to kick all-pro Walt Garrison Right in the tail end. Do you remember that? Yeah, and Lily had a lot of lot of uh, rules in in hunting camp, you know. And and another one was, whenever you killed a deer, then you had to stand up in front of the group and tell everything about the hunt, you know, exactly, you know, where you were sitting, what kind of gun, all this stuff, you know. And then for some of those kids we went hunting with, it was uh, kind of embarrassing, but I think they were probably uh, glad they did it when it was over. Walt, you've been a hunter all your life. Where did that uh, Where did that all start? My dad always hunted. He shot. Uh, well, he shot to eat more than anything. You know, he'd go dove hunting with a twenty-two. 
You know, them doves be sitting on the ground, they shoot them in the head. And he said, if you shoot them in the head, he said, uh, they don't fly, and the other ones won't fly. Right. But uh, but he always, uh, they shot rabbits, they shot everything, you know, back then, and and, uh, and would cook them. They never, oh, yeah. you know, but uh, but he was always uh, guns and knives, metal. He could, uh, he taught me a lot about uh, about guns and knives. Well, through all the years and all your experiences, do you have a favorite? Do, do you like deer hunting, mule deer hunting, white tail quail hunting? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we went uh, elk hunting up in Montana. Uh, we went mule deer hunting in New Mexico and Canada, uh, antelope hunting in West Texas. Uh, I like to hunt. I don't like to fish. And Randy White, God bless you, I still don't like to fish, you know. Uh, but uh, Randy tried to get me to fish all the time because he's a big fisherman, you know, and uh, we fished in we fished in his turn. I didn't fish in his turn. Right? He wanted me to come out there, and they had a radio deal. And he said, "Just be on the radio and talk about fishing." I said, "I don't know anything about fishing." So he said, "Well, let's go." So we took off across the lake in his hundred and ten horse Merc and pulled up in this little slough. And then he said, "Now be quiet." I said, "You don't think the fish might have heard that engine come up? <laughs> you know, I think it's a little louder than I am. You know, but." Uh, Randy's another good guy, but uh, I never did like fishing. Uh, always liked hunting. I mean, dove hunting, quail hunting. We went to Mexico white wing hunting. Now that was that was something, you know. I mean, if you can point a gun up, you can hit a dove down there. You got an extremely nice uh, mule deer mount at your house. I noticed when I was up there a couple of months ago. Tell me, where'd he come from? He came from Chama, New Mexico, Chama Land and Cattle Company, uh, in Chama, New Mexico, and they got some big mule deer and and big elk. But uh, Emmett Mundy, this guy that made the finals in a team rope in several years, well, he had a place up there. And he said, hey, we'll go up Timberline, stay in this little cabin and hunt hunt some mule deer. And we said, okay. So we rode horses up there. And me and Ernie Taylor, who was a world champion calf roper in, what, 72 or 3, somewhere in there, we went up there. And, uh, I mean, we actually hunted mule deer. We walked 9,000 miles through them little coolies, they call them, breaks up in there. And uh, I shot this one and. uh and he was up on the side of a hill and rolled almost all the way down to our feet, which was real good because he's, he's a pretty good-sized deer. But, uh, yeah, I loved hunting New Mexico. Northern New Mexico got a lot of big mule deer. Well, Walt, thanks for all the great uh, memories through the years, your time with the Dallas Cowboys. That was my childhood uh, growing up, my high school years, actually. And I certainly uh, enjoyed and appreciated your career, and I sure do appreciate you sitting down with us here in Camp House. Thank you much. Billy, I appreciate it, but... Uh, Man, I wish you the best with your show. Uh, they need something, uh, an outdoor show on the radio. Dallas Cowboy great Walt Garrison, just one of our many friends to drop by the camp house through the years. Another regular is a dear friend, Larry Wysoon. I remember picking Larry's brain about hunting with handguns. With a double action, you can simply pull the trigger, cocks the hammer by itself, and then strikes a firing pin, or you can cock it like you would a single action. But the the two basic differences are just simply that with a single action, you have to cock it between each shot, and uh, with the double action, you do not have to. You know, I found it interesting that you prefer uh, a single action uh, revolver. You prefer revolvers, and you prefer a single action uh, revolver. Uh, and you mentioned the grips, and that's something I had never considered or thought of before, a slick grip is your friend uh, when you're hunting big uh, caliber pistols. It really is. It kind of it kind of rolls a little bit in your hand, and I wear leather gloves where I've got a good grip on them, but I've also to where it can roll a little bit. With that design of that single action, you have that smooth back part of the grip 
with the double action so that you can pull the trigger. There's a little bit of a knurl there. And uh, so that you can, you know, got a little bit stronger grip to pull the trigger on when you're shooting double action. But because of that, a lot of times you accept a whole lot more recall from those handguns than you do from a single action. So when you start shooting those little bit larger calibers that you really need to for deer and, and, and other big game, there's, to me, a definite advantage in uh, shooting the single action as opposed to the double action. And I would have never thought of that. I would have thought, well, hey, that, you can thumb cock them, either one, so why not just buy a double action gun but there you go you're exactly right uh you mentioned razor dobbs uh has gotten into a handgun hunting over the years and that he he likes to shoot a semi-auto uh and that's that's a great choice too just not your choice it is i mean i, I applaud anybody that gets out there that uh, takes a handgun on a hunt and gets into it and razor's been very fortunate he's hunted africa and a bunch of other places and he loves that loves that semi-auto and uh i'm there for people that do but Personally, to me, I prefer the, the, the either, like I said, really prefer the single action or, or, or double action in the revolver. More handgun hunting with Larry Wysoon when we come back from the coffee pot. I'm Craig Boddington. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it at Kinder Outdoors. You've worked hard your entire life, and now that place is yours. Ensure the security of your livestock and wildlife with Tejas Ranch and Game Fence. You appreciate a job well done, and that's our focus at Tejas. High deer fence, horse and cattle specific fences, fences that keep the hogs out and the peace of mind intact. Decades of high performance in fencing, land clearing, and happy landowners. T-E-J-A-S, TejasRanchFencing.com. Hey, crappie anglers, crappie season is here. Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about all of the new crappie products for 2022. Check out the all-new Wally Marshall Classic Signature Rods by Lou's. The Wally Marshall Classic Series starts at 5'6 and all the way up to 16 foot in length. IM8 graphite construction, cork handles, stainless steel guides, super light for all-day use, and the perfect trolling and casting rods on the market today. Now for you live scopers out there, the Wally Marshall Pro Target Rods are designed with IM8 graphite blanks, stainless steel guides, and wind grip handles. No slip with a grip when you're trying to boat flip a three-pounder. Pro Target Rods are the best for live scope, trolling, and perfect for wade fishing and heavy cover. All new Mr. Crappie Colors and Crappie Thunder, Slabalicious, Jokers, and Shad Pose. Tennessee Mist, White, Who Dat, and Don't Miss the School Bus. All crappie anglers should keep the Mr. Crappie Slabomatic Electric Filet Knife handy too. StrikeKing.com, Lose.com, and SmithsProducts.com. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org.
National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey, that's phony. This is, this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read the tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says the tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. There are plenty of fish in the creek behind the camp house. Feel free to take a ride down from the wall and catch a few. Kender Outdoors. Hey, thanks a lot for hanging out around our campfire today at Kinder Outdoors. Revisiting some conversations with good friends like Larry Wysoon, sharing his great knowledge on handgun hunting. I can't move on to uh, away from, from pistols without mentioning Ruger. Uh, and you mentioned Thompson Center. You've shot with a lot of different uh, brands. But your personal favorite has been for many years, Ruger. It, it really has been. Years ago, I served on staff with Shooting Times and a sister publication called Handgunning, and I was the hunting editor on, on both. And 
about the time that uh, this goes back in the 80s, uh, Ruger came out with the uh, Ruger uh, Super Blackhawk Hunter, which has a rib with integral scope mounts on it. That uh, in that that particular gun in the 44 mag using 240 grain uh, uh, Hornady XTP ammo. It's unbelievably accurate, and it's one of those handguns. You know, sometimes you just kind of develop a relationship with with a firearm that just you have such great confidence in that you can almost close your eyes. And you know, it's going to go in the right place. You know, kind of thing. That's kind of the way that that particular revolver is. And, and since that time, I've been using a bunch of other Ruger revolvers, particularly like in the 480, and I've got a 454 Sioux and and a 357 and a really good way to start out with is uh, to start out with a, with a 22 uh, long rifle revolver and get used to seeing the sights or using the optics that you use. I'm using the Trigicon SRO sight, which is kind of a rib dot sight. Now helps for very quick target acquisition and, and it shoots very accurately. Helps me shoot much more accurately than open sights. But you know, a 22 is an ideal way to do that. That way you get them your technique. Uh, you, you start gaining some confidence in your ability and and then you can step up to like a 357 Magnum, which needs kind of on the low side of of, uh, of the deer hunter side of things. It's probably more of an expert's gun, but then kind of step up to the 44 Mag. And I mean, I've shot all kinds of different things from the elk on down with, with 44 mags. So I know it's capable of bringing that animal down quickly and humanely. And, and they're fun to shoot. They're, to me, yeah. they're an absolute blast to shoot. Yeah, and you've taken your 44 mag all over the world. Uh, a lot of guys are going to say, well, you know what? I've got a 357. Let me just adapt to hunting with that. Uh, and there's a little bit of a warning that, that you gave us with that. And you even mentioned it just a few seconds ago. It's it's kind of an expert's round. You really have to know bullet placement and where that how that gun's going to perform at different distances and know your capabilities with that three fifty seven. You need a well placed shot. That's exactly right. I mean, if you're going to use on the lower end of, of the uh, firearm calibers and, and rounds out there, definitely. I mean, you want to do the same thing whether you're shooting a monster magnum or not, regardless of whether it's a rifle or handgun. As you mentioned, learn the capabilities of your firearm and your capabilities with it. But, uh, you know, with with handguns, the, if you shoot off of a of kind of a rest, uh, like anything else I learned a long time ago, that if I shoot a rifle off a rest, I shoot a whole lot more accurately than I do if I shoot offhand. And, and basically, the, the same thing holds true with, with shooting the handguns as well, too. Yeah, so, hey, guys, if you're a three fifty seven guy and you're looking for an excuse to go buy that new pistol, 44 mag, there you go. Larry's taking Absolutely. down these round hairs <laughs> in Alaska with that thing. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the 44 mag is not the most powerful headgun in the world, but uh you know, it, it, it'll darn sure do the job on everything pretty much in North America, and, and, and I've used it over in Africa as well, too. So it, it's a great handgun, and with the ammo that Hornady has available, for whatever reason, most 44 mags that I've ever shot, including some that were Rukers years ago, uh, yeah. they really seem to do well with that 240, uh, 240 grain Hornady XTP in terms of accuracy. and. That handgun we were mentioning a while ago, the, the Super Blackhawk Hunter Ruger that I've shot for so many years, with it from a good solid rest, I can shoot uh, at least a two-inch group with all six shots at 100 yards. So, you know, the accuracy on most all those guns is there in, in terms of, particularly in terms of hunter accuracy, now in terms of downrange energy, you know, to me, about 125, 150 yards is about the max of anything that I would want to shoot with most of the handguns that we shoot with. But, uh, 
up until that range or whatever you feel comfortable with, that's the other side of things. But out to that range with a good solid rest, there's enough downrange energy to put that animal down very quickly and humanely. And again, that's that's our, our goal and every time we pull the trigger on something. You have a lot of options uh, as far as what to top that gun with, if you top it with anything at all. And that's going to have a lot to do with the terrain that you hunt. If you hunt really tight country, open sights uh, might be what you need. Or if you hunt West Texas with a pistol, you might need, uh, you know, a, a something like you might put on top of an AR. Or you could use a red dot site. You mentioned that as well in your article. Lots of op- opportunity and options there. There really are. I mean, it, 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 everybody has a preference uh, in, in terms of what they shoot, how they shoot handguns. If you've got great eyesight, them all mean shoot open sights, you know, just with the sights that come on the gun. But if you that stage to where your eyesight could be a little bit better and you have a hard time seeing the back sight, the front sight, the target all at the same time, then you might want to start using a, a red dot scope. There are several available through Trigicon, and they've got a new one that's an SR, they call the SRO, that will mount on any kind of revolver with just a little bit of adaptation as far as the, or even a, 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 like Razor Dob sheets, uh, semi-autos, a bit on those as well too. But uh, those work out really nice, and then once you get into the long eye relief scopes, uh, if you're going to shoot a little bit longer range. But, again, to me, those sight scopes helps with the precise bullet placement, which is, again, so very important with regards to what you're shooting. Yeah, and then just briefly, uh, you're going to want to sight in uh, your pistol. We're talking about pistol hunting with Larry Wysoon today. Uh, you're, you're going to want to sight in, uh, in in the same distances and conditions that, uh, you're going to hunt in. So, again, if that's real tight woods there in Pennsylvania, you know, 25 yards might be <laughs> where you want to be. Exactly. And what I'd strongly suggest to people to do is, is to get on the bench, find a good solid rest, and make sure that that gun is shooting exactly where you want to at varying distance, and then shoot at varying distances, too. From there, you, if you sight in at 25 yards and and then set up a target at 100 and see where where you hit that target at, at that distance as well too. So again, it comes down to getting very familiar with, with your uh, with your particular firearm that you're using. Yeah, I would think that uh, hunting with a pistol, you know, is an advantage to a guy that's a spot and start guy because you know you, you that you're taking three feet away of movement. Uh, you've just got that little short pistol. Lots of advantages to uh, to hunting with a pistol. There, there really are. I mean, uh, they're they're lightweight to carry. There's so many different shoulder rings that are available these days that make them very comfortable to carry. And then you know, some people may prefer to carry them on their hip as well too, or carry them in the backpack, which is something that I've done quite often uh, when we've been doing spot and stalk and and kind of rough terrain and get to a point to where you know, okay, now we're close enough. Now I'll get the pistol out and again. Like it just practice good gun safety, you know, making sure that the barrel pointed in a safe direction and all those kind of things that we do normally anyway when we're hunting. But uh, there's so many different ways to carry it. I, I want to go back a little bit to shooting off the bench. Once you shoot from the bench, then shoot from hunting positions. I mean, use a post as a rest. Use a cross shooting sticks as a rest. I quite often use my backpack or my hat as a rest. So. Learn how to shoot accurately at the bench, but then also how to learn how to shoot in all kinds of situations that you might encounter when you're out in the field. Yeah, really good point. Uh, if you guys want to read the article, it's good stuff. It's uh, the December 4th uh, edition of Sporting Classics Daily that published Guns and Loads for Handgun Hunting by our buddy Larry Wysoon. You go have yourself a, 
Merry Christmas, and then I will see you shake your hand in Dallas in just a couple of weeks. Uh, again, same to you with Merry Christmas to you and your listeners, and really look forward to seeing you in Dallas there on the uh, DSC Conservation Stage sponsored by Trigicon this year. Obviously, it was Christmas time a few years ago when Larry Wysoon and I had a conversation about hunting with handguns. I need to say hello to some folks. Dee Palmer catches the show in Mansfield, Texas. Dee, thanks for listening. Thanks for the note. Marty Heron is in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Marty. David LeMay catches Kinder Outdoors in Kenai, Alaska. Thanks for letting us know, David. And Eliza Gonzalez is in West Texas. Not the region, the town, West Texas, between Dallas-Fort Worth and Waco, home of the Kalachi. Oh, that's good stuff. I wish I had one right now. No, I wish I had two. Hey, everybody, it's Sean Mann. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Take him, Billy. Life is better outdoors. Relax and find your space at the beautiful vineyards, campground, and cabins on Grapevine Lake. Well known for its peaceful setting, lovely grounds, lakefront views, and accommodating Texas-friendly staff. Our full hookup sites can accommodate all bus or RV sizes and offer 50-amp service, many spacious pull-throughs, cable TV, and lightning-fast Wi-Fi. Our fully furnished cabins make it easy to feel miles away without actually roughing it. Enjoy a partially shaded private beach, large playground, fishing pier, water sport rentals, hiking trails, and more. The on-site camp store offers a wide selection of camping supplies, groceries, and gifts. Our landmark pavilion is perfect for your next reunion, rally, or wedding. You'll feel miles away from everything when you're only minutes from anything. Check out historic downtown Grapevine with various entertainment venues, large festivals and events, restaurants, wineries, shopping, and the new world-class Harvest Hall. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins, vineyardscampground.com. After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy-class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists, studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups, and we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit Joshua Creek. Dot com. Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, 
but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. Wing shooting in Argentina is an activity that must be experienced rather than explained. Dove are considered to be a plague in the area, so there are no bag limits and there are no seasons to hunt them. We've got 20 million birds on the roost and they're there 365 days a year. They're there every day, all day. They fly eight hours a day, every day. At Cordoba Doves, you'll enjoy delicious food, exceptional hospitality, beverages in the field, your own personal bird boy. Bird boy's job is to pour shells in your bag uh, when you're going through a box every five minutes and keep count of the birds that you've shot and to bring you something to drink every few minutes. At the end of the day, we pick up all the holes and pick up the birds, but you can't send him out to pick up birds at six or 800 times a day. Experience the very best that Argentina has to offer through Cordoba Doves. Contact the U.S. Representative Lane Balke at cordobadoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. of South Texas to the big bush of South Africa, it's Kinder Outdoors. one 820 bdko is my phone number here in the camp house. one 820 or better yet, drop by the camp house website, drop off a picture for the bragging board, drop by and say hello at kinderoutdoors.com. One of the many guests that we've had in this camp house through the years, Mountain Man from Duck Dynasty. Mountain Man, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Good to be here. You know, uh, you, you've, done, you've done radio a long time yourself. Are you still doing your radio show? Yep, still doing it every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about down there these days? What's the hot topic? Oh, well, I'm laying off politics till they make me a little matter. We talk about the fishing. We talk about hunting. We talk about what's going on. Uh... I do a funny uh, newscast on there. Okay. Mountain Man, uh, it had to be a surprise to uh, to you guys way back when Duck Dynasty took off and, and your community was featured and you characters that hang out together and just day-to-day life on people's television screens. Was it a shock to you how big that thing got? It was. It was a shock, I tell you. And... Uh, 
I wasn't supposed to be on but one show, and they kept bringing me in. And when they started that show out, and they were dressed like sharp-dressed duck men, and they had ZZ-type playing, and for some reason I just knew it was going to be a kick when it took off. And to keep a clean show, yeah. that's what really kept it going, and the prayer at yeah. the end of the show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You bet. No matter what they tell us in Hollywood, we still like to get on our knees and take our hat off in this country, a great many of us. And uh, and you guys said, hey, it's okay. We It's all right. It's all right. It worked out real well. Uh, people appreciated that. And we rolled five years on it. And um, so the word's out. It got to be uh, such a hassle with some of them in um, Hollywood. Seems like, you know, L.A.'s affiliated with any powerful network workstations and ah, I just I think they got tired of it and just went off of it but uh, hey you never know might be something else come out yep that's exactly right let's talk about crappie a little bit because you people down in Louisiana you uh, confuse me some of you folks call them white bass or white perch. Some of you folks call them sockelay. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> and then some of you folks down there call them crappie. So how, how do you, if I go to Louisiana, what do I call them? Well, if you're going to be south of Alexandria, which is about halfway up and down the state, it'll probably be sockelay. Okay. And that's what the Cajuns, the French call them. You get up my neck, the redneck woods. It's a white perch, and if somebody don't call them a sockelay or a white perch, and they call them a crappie or a crappy or a speck, yep. well, they're probably from out of town, <laughs> somewhere in there. Don't trust those people too much, do you? No, no, but yeah, I think there's five, six different names if you looked them all up, but they all got one thing in common. Yes, they do. They taste good. Oh, man. Uh, Peanut oil, salt, and pepper, a little uh, cornmeal, you're good to go. That's right. I turned mine loose in Crisco Pond. Yeah? <laughs> that's the way that works out. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Man, uh, you were talking about the hunting and fishing. I, I grew up in a little old place called Mineral Wells, Texas, and, and the, our world revolved around what season it was. And it seems like that's the world you live in, too. If it's springtime, we're going to go bass fishing. And they're spawning. The crappie are spawning. If it's fall, we've got our bows out chasing deer. If it's duck season, you just do what's next. Do what's next because the you know, hunting season, you only get so long to stock up. You know, you got to take advantage of it. And um, a lot of times it'll be rainy or cold or something during the hunting season. But... You know, you only got a limited amount of time. It ain't like fishing, so you just get on out there and get after it and stock your freezer up. You know, you got to have something go along with them fish. Talk to me a little bit about your growing up years. I I guess uh, your family, your daddy, your granddaddy hunted fish. Mm -hmm. That's where you learned it? Oh, yeah. My dad, he was an avid hunter and fisher coming up. He was brought up around the West Monroe area and... He loved to fish, he loved to hunt, duck hunt. He never deer hunted, except one or two times, and uh, that was when he lived up in Minnesota. But uh, he loved that duck hunting and squirrel hunting and, you know, bird hunting, pheasants, or... 
not pheasants. He did hunt some up in Minnesota, but those uh, quail, he hunted a lot of quail, and he always liked to duck hunt, dove hunt, did a lot of dove hunting. So. And I guess toted you along with him. Yes, he did. Yeah, he got me started first in squirrel hunting and dove hunting, and I didn't think I'd ever get the hang of them flying targets, but I learned how he taught me how to shoot, and even taught me how to frog hunt and yeah about everything in between you were talking about how good those crappie are those frogs ain't bad them frogs ain't bad at all good i remember as a kid we'd go out when we was just teenagers and get them frogs and we'd be out all night and bring them in and he'd say y'all get them frogs skinned up say yes sir he said well let me see them things. He would fry them up in the morning there with eggs. We'd have frog legs and eggs. You can't beat it, that mountain man. That's good stuff. That's good eat. Maybe some grits on the side. Uh, he did have that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Those cathead biscuits. Now we got it going on. Oh, man. That's yeah. a good deal. Talk to us a little bit about squirrels because you said squirrels and some folks up north listening to this show raised an eyebrow today because they see them at the bird feeder. They don't see them in the skillet, but that old limb bacon's not bad either. Oh, no. Well, he taught me how to squirrel hunt, and he, he joked about squirrel hunting up in Minnesota when I was too little to really hunt up there. He, he went squirrel hunting, and some people come down there and asked him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm shooting squirrels. They said, squirrels? Said, what you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to eat them. They said, eat them? <laughs> Never heard of it. But, uh, yeah, they said, get all you want. Thought he was nuts. But um, he taught me how to squirrel hunt at an early age. And uh, I listened to everything he said. The main thing was to be quiet, you know, in the yeah. woods. Don't step on something. He'd always get on me when I'd break a branch or something. <laughs> but uh, How do you like them? How do you cook your squirrels? You smother them? <laughs> Yeah, I take in squirrels. Um, I take the musk glands out of them. A lot of people don't know they got a musk gland in the back leg right behind the knee. Cut in there about a quarter inch, pull that little old grayish yellow gland out. Yeah. Soak them in salt water overnight after you cut them up. And then, like, batter them up and fry them kind of like chicken. Yeah. And uh, when you get them brown, take the grease off and add some water and flour and yeah. maybe a rutabaga. I see where you're going. Make, make a gravy. Make yeah. a gravy and cook them a long time, you know, like cast iron pot with a lid on it. Uh. And then make that big old pot of rice. Yes, sir. Get after it. <laughs> the Mountain Man from Duck Dynasty on Kinder Outdoors. Let's go grab a cup of coffee and I'll meet you right back here. Hey, everybody's old Mountain Man. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm showing sure up thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. creek full of fish and woods loaded with wildlife are good for our kids. And the kids tend to agree. At Tender Outdoors, we work hard to preserve both. 
every day. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. Thanks so much for hanging out with us in our camp this week at Kinder Outdoors. Hey, what are you feeding your dog? Is it the best? Is it Purina Pro Plan? There's a formula for each and every dog, every age, every lifestyle, even with tough physical conditions like an intolerance to grain or an itchy coat. Learn more about Purina Pro Plan when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com and when you pick up a bag at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. In case you're just joining us here in the camp house, which is coming to you, by the way, from the great state of Virginia, on Kerr Lake, Bugs Island, famous for giant four-pound crappie every year. Four-pounders come out of this lake. It's another Mr. Crappie qualifier. We're having fun in Virginia. It's kind of rainy up here. Uh, it's real rainy for a crappie tournament, but we're doing our best to get it in and get it done. This big qualifier for the Mr. Crappie Classic coming up just outside of Branson, Missouri in October, Table Rock Lake. One of our conversations that we're revisiting on the show today is one with Ron Spomer. We were together in Montana, sat down on a crisp Montana morning out on the back porch with a hot cup of coffee. Let's talk about the early days, your first remembrances of a rod and reel in your hand or a, or a, a shotgun in your hand. What do you remember? Oh, I remember Mom and Dad taking me to the James River in South Dakota, which is just a pretty much a mud puddle, and uh, catching bullheads and carp. And somehow my worm managed to get eaten by a bluegill, which I had never seen before. It's the first fish I ever caught. And, and, and you, being a typical five-year-old or whatever I was, I was screwing up and not getting anything, and I finally caught a fish and I heaved that thing out of the water so hard that it flew over my head and landed in my, <laughs> landed in my mother's lap and she didn't particularly like fish. <laughs> How many hunting and fishing careers have been launched by, a, by an innocent bluegill? Yeah, no kidding. What a great way to get started. But you know, the, the neat thing about being a country kid back in those days, you know, we're looking at the 60s. It was still pretty much rural America, and I was a farm kid. And you know what it's like being out in the, in a farm country. You're experiencing it firsthand all the time, running around out in the fields and the woods and the bushes, and just you you develop this kinship with nature that just never leaves you. And that has driven me all my life. By the time I was in high school, they were calling me Jungle Boy because all I did was <laughs> go out and hunt fish and make fortune camp. And, and I just figured I needed to have a career in this line of work. Yeah. And, and what could I possibly do? And I had an English teacher who told me that I wrote pretty well, and it was not anything I studied or learned. It was just some people have a knack for music, some for math. I could write fairly well. And he said, you might consider doing some writing for these magazines like Outdoor Life and Field and Stream and stuff. So I latched onto that idea and thought I'm going to try it. Yeah. And being a fairly pragmatic farm kid, you know, had to have some real skills, carpentry and farming and all that stuff. But my dad was saying, what are you going to do for a living? you got to develop something, go to college, get some degree. And yeah, that made sense. So I went to college and I figured, well, I'll pick up a degree in education so I can teach school and I'll at least get the summer months off to fish. Yeah. <laughs> I'd really prefer to have the fall off, Good but plan. what the heck, yeah. So I did and I still thought, okay, I'll get a degree and I'll be able to be a teacher, got a certificate, but I still want to write. So when I got out, I thought I better get started, I better write something. So while I was teaching part-time, I wrote five articles just to see what would happen and sent them in over the transom blind, just said, here's the story, and it makes it a 
Wales on its own and sold all five of those. Wow. Yeah. What was the first thing you wrote that made a paycheck for you, made a check? You know, I don't remember which one of the five because I sort of did them all at once, but one of them was for a fishing game, and I think I got $75 for it. But then I sold one to American Rifleman and American Hunter, one each, and I think those were $350. In those days, wow. Big money, man, for a South Dakota kid, for anyone. Yeah, man. <laughs> Beat uh, being up shingling roofs all day. Yeah. <laughs> what part of South Dakota did you grow up in? What was your hometown? Well, home country was down in the southeast between Mitchell and Yankton yeah. in that southeast corner. And my dad had a little butcher shop after a few years. He quit farming and he started the butcher shop. So every fall, all the hunters would come in from Chicago and Omaha and oh, you'd see their fancy shotguns and their dogs. And wow, that was really something. And my dad cleaned the pheasants, yeah. get a bunch of farm wives in there and they'd all clean pheasants and put them up for these folks. And then when deer season came around, we would be doing that. Yeah. So I was always seeing the game coming in and it just drove me even more to want to get out there and join the guys. Yeah, the cycle of life uh, before your eyes there. You witness that. Um, we live in a different day and age now. When you and I were in high school, Ron, we went to school with our shotguns or our deer rifles in the gun rack in the back of the truck, right. visible to everyone. Doors of the truck unlocked. We didn't have to worry about anyone grabbing that rifle and doing anything with it. No one had a thought of some of the things that we see today. Um, our government's response to uh, horrible things that happen, terrorism, uh, is to take our guns away. And it just absolutely flusters me because it makes no sense. Yeah, it does make no sense, but it's so easy for them to do. You know, rather than deal and wrestle with hard issues like people being psychotic or going crazy or what makes people do these sorts of things, it's easier to blame an inanimate object. Yeah. But I think we've pretty much all know, and we saw it in France. What sort of gun registrations and legal things are involved in France to have a weapon? Nobody over there gets to have an AR of any kind or even an auto-loading shotgun, I don't think. Right. Yet the criminals somehow get a hold of them. The terrorists get a hold of them. You don't stop it. We've seen it again and again and again in this country. You go to the cities with the highest crime rates, and they have the toughest gun regulations. Yeah. Why is that? So it's obviously not the object it's the person behind it. That's Ron Spomer on Kinder Outdoors, brought to you this morning by Purina Pro Plan. Pro Plan performance in the purple sport bag. 30% protein, 20% fat for your hardworking bird dog. Hi, I'm Walter Perry, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. It's time for spring turkeys. Stop in and see the fine folks at Marksman Firearms for guns, ammo, sights, scopes, and accessories. They've got stores in Granbury, Colleen, Mansfield, and Wichita Falls. Texas-owned, Texas-proud. Military and first responders get a 10% discount. And they offer 90-day layaway, same as cash. For more info, visit MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. You've worked hard your entire life, and now that place is yours. Ensure the security of your livestock and wildlife with Tejas Ranch and Game Fence. You appreciate a job well done, and that's our focus at Tejas. High deer fence, horse and cattle specific fences, fences that keep the hogs out and the peace of mind intact. Decades of high performance in fencing, land clearing, and happy landowners. T-E-J-A-S, TejasRanchFencing.com. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. 
grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. And in layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do. So. The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from $18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas are award-winning artists many times over. And for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granberry, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axis, the fish, all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state-to-state state or around the globe. You can trust True Life Taxidermy. TrueLifeTaxidermy.org The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. In Genesis chapter 9, God himself told man that if it flies, moves on the earth, or swims in the water, it is meat for us. What a gracious God we have. We celebrate that in this old camp house. Kinder Outdoors. Indeed we do. Welcome back. Good to have you with us. one 820 bbko is the phone number. one 820 2256 Lots of the guests in and out of this camp house through the years. One of my all-time favorites is also one of my all-time favorite cowboys. He was a Dallas cowboy and a rodeo cowboy. Very successful at both. He played fullback for Tom Landry back in the 1970s. Walt Garrison. Walt, thank you for being here, buddy, and 
I've got to ask you this. You played football at Oklahoma State University. You were never offered a scholarship to the University of Texas, and I heard you had a chance to ask Daryl Royal why one time. I did. I was playing in a golf tournament. He was playing with Willie Nelson down there in Brownsville, Texas. And I said, Coach, I said, you know, I said, man, you got to be friends. I said, you know, and I, I wondered why you didn't recruit me in Texas. He said, you know what? He said, after uh, getting to know you, he said, I went back in the archives and looked at all these films that people send in over the years, and he got them all categorized and stuff. And, and he said, I looked at the films they sent. He said, you know, in high school, he said, you weren't worth a <laughs> were you? <laughs> and he's right, I wasn't. <laughs> what a great story. Walt Garrison, uh, you went on uh, and, and became a pretty darn good football player and, of course, spent your entire NFL career with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, these days, guys, when they sign, they get a signing bonus, and it's millions and millions of dollars usually. What did you get as a signing bonus when you signed with the Dallas Cowboys? Well, people made a big deal out of it. I mean, I got a new car, which I've never had a new anything in my life, you know, and, and uh, I got a new horse trailer, one of the best. At that time, the great Miley inline trailer. Oh, yeah. And uh, I Miley. thought, man, that is unbelievable to get that. Yeah. And I think I got $15,000 cash, <laughs> you know, so I was very wealthy. Now, Walt, I know under Coach Landry, he kept you guys uh, pretty busy back in the day. When did you ever find time to go hunting and fishing, which I know you've loved all your life? Well, I mean, back then, uh, I mean, we had Mondays off, and uh, especially during dove or quail season, you know, dove season especially, we'd go hunting. But I never went hunting without, like, Dan Reeves was my roommate, Leroy Jordan, Bob Lilly was a great shot, you know, uh, Dennis Holman, uh, Dave Edwards. I mean, we all went together. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, I'll go with my buddies outside of football. I mean, my buddies were in football. Right. I mean, because you live with them, uh, oh, gosh seven, eight months a year, you yeah. know, so uh, you're closer to them than you are your family almost. You mentioned uh, Bob Lilly, good Throckmorton, Texas boy. I'm sure he grew up doing a lot of shooting. He, I, I hunted a lot with Bob. Bob was a great shot. He great shot with a shotgun, great shot with a rifle. Uh, we went antelope hunting uh, uh, and mouflon hunting down in uh, Alpine, Texas. Me and him and Chuck Halley and uh, I think Leroy went with us. And uh, Bob always loved to hunt. And he could shoot. I was doing a little research on you, Walt, and I, I grabbed an old Malakoff, Texas newspaper that says back in the 70s, early 70s, you and Bob Lilly went on a deer hunt in East Texas with a, a kid named Goober Evans, 10-year-old. Goober shot two deer that day, and you didn't shoot a deer. And one of Bob Lilly's rules was whoever shot a deer got to kick whoever didn't shoot a deer right in the rump. And Goober said... That was the highlight of his life. He got to kick all-pro Walt Garrison right in the tail end. Do you remember that? Yeah, and Lily had a lot of lot of uh, rules in, in hunting camp, you know. And, and another one was whenever you killed a deer, then you had to stand up in front of the group and tell everything about the hunt, you know, exactly. You know, where you were sitting, what kind of gun, all this stuff, you know. And, and for some of those kids we went hunting with, it was uh, kind of embarrassing, but I think they were probably uh, glad they did it when it was over. Walt, you've been a hunter all your life. Where did that uh, Where did that all start? My dad always hunted. He shot. Uh, well, he shot to eat more than anything. You know, he'd go do dove hunting with a twenty-two. My word! You know, them doves be sitting on the ground. He shoot them in the head, and he said, "If you shoot them in the head, he said uh, they don't fly, and the other ones won't fly." Right. But uh, huh. but he always uh, they shot rabbits. They shot everything. You know, back then, and and uh, and would cook them. They never. Oh, yeah. You know. But uh, but he was always uh, guns and knives, metal. He could uh, he taught me a lot about uh, about guns and knives. 
Well, through all the years and all your experiences, do you have a favorite? Do, do you like deer hunting, mule deer hunting, whitetail, quail hunting? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we went uh, elk hunting up in Montana. Uh, we went mule deer hunting in New Mexico and Canada, uh, antelope hunting in West Texas. Uh, I like to hunt. I don't like to fish. And Randy White, God bless you, I still don't like to fish, you know. Uh, but uh, Randy tried to get me to fish all the time because he's a big fisherman, you know, and uh, we fished in we fished in his turn. I didn't fish in his turn. He wanted me to come out there, and they had a radio deal. And he said, "Just be on the radio and talk about fishing." I said, "I don't know anything about fishing." So he said, "Well, let's go." So we took off across the lake in his hundred and ten horse Merc and pulled up in this little slough. And then he said, "Now be quiet." I said, "You don't think the fish might have heard that engine come up? <laughs> you know, I think it's a little louder than I am. You know, but." Uh, Randy's another good guy, but uh, I never did like fishing. Uh, always liked hunting. I mean, dove hunting, quail hunting. We went to Mexico, white wing hunting. Now that was that was something, you know. I mean, if you can point a gun up, you can hit a dove down there. You got an extremely nice uh, mule deer mount at your house. I noticed when I was up there a couple of months ago. Tell me, where did he come from? He came from Chama, New Mexico, Chama Land and Cattle Company. Uh, in Chama, New Mexico, and they got some big mule deer and, and big elk. But uh, Emmett Mundy, this guy that made the finals in a team rope in several years, well, he had a place up there, and he said, hey, we'll go up Timberline, stay in this little cabin and hunt hunt some mule deer. And we said, okay, so we rode horses up there, and me and Ernie Taylor, who was a world champion calf roper in, what, 72 or 3, somewhere in there, we went up there, and, uh, I mean, we actually hunted mule deer. We walked 9,000 miles through them little coolies they call them brakes up in there and uh i shot this one and uh and he was up on the side of a hill and rolled almost all the way down to our feet which was real good because he's, he's a pretty good sized deer but uh yeah i loved hunting new mexico northern new mexico got a lot of big mule deer well walt thanks for all the great uh memories through the years your time with the dallas cowboys that was my childhood uh growing up my high school years actually and i certainly uh, enjoyed and appreciated your career and i sure do appreciate you sitting down with us here in Camp House. Thank you much. Billy, I appreciate it. But, uh, man, I wish you the best with your show. Uh, they need something, uh, an outdoor show on the radio. My old friend Walt Garrison. This corner of the Camp House brought to you by Purina Pro Plan, the world's greatest dog fuel. Pick up a bag today at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas, and Missouri. Larry Wysoon was on the show a couple of years back talking about hunting with handguns. He is uh, one of the world's foremost authorities, most knowledgeable guys when it comes to hunting with pistols. Hey, let's talk about hunting with uh, with a handgun a little bit. You've done that a long, long time. It's been a passion. You've enjoyed it for years and years and years. Uh, And let's start uh, with revolvers and uh, explain the difference between a single-action revolver and a double-action revolver. It's pretty simple. It, it, it really is. The, the single-action essentially says that you have to cock the hammer before you can pull the trigger. With a double-action, you can simply pull the trigger, it cocks the hammer by itself, and then strikes the firing pin, or you can cock it like you would a single-action. But the, the two basic differences are just simply that with a single-action, you have to cock it between each shot, and uh, with the double-action, you do not have to. You know, I found it interesting that you prefer uh, a single-action revolver. You prefer revolvers, and you prefer a single-action revolver. Uh, And you mentioned the grips, and that's something I had never considered or thought of before. A slick grip 
is your friend uh, when you're hunting big uh, caliber pistols. It really is. It kind of it kind of rolls a little bit in your hand, and I wear leather gloves where I've got a good grip on them, but I've also to where it can roll a little bit with that design of that single action. You have that smooth back part of the grip with the double action so that you can pull the trigger. There's a little bit of a knurl there. And uh, so that you can, you know, got a little bit stronger grip to pull the trigger on when you're shooting double action. But because of that, a lot of times you accept a whole lot more recoil from those handguns than you do from single action. So when you start shooting those little bit larger calibers that you really need to for deer and, and, and other big game, there's, to me, a definite advantage in uh, shooting the single action as opposed to the double action. Hey, this is your blood brother, Ted Nugent. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, which is very seldom, I'm thinking about it or dreaming about it. With Kinder Outdoors, God bless America. Hey, crappie anglers, crappie season is here. Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie, here to tell you about all of the new crappie products for 2022. Check out the all-new Wally Marshall Classic Signature Rods by Lou's. The Wally Marshall Classic Series starts at 5'6 and all the way up to 16 foot in length. IM8 graphite construction, cork handles, stainless steel guides, super light for all-day use, and the perfect trolling and casting rods on the market today. Now for you live scopers out there, the Wally Marshall Pro Target Rods are designed with IM8 graphite blanks, stainless steel guides, and wind grip handles. No slip with a grip when you're trying to boat flip a three-pounder. Pro Target Rods are the best for live scope, trolling, and perfect for wade fishing and heavy cover. All new Mr. Crappie Colors and Crappie Thunder, Slabalicious, Jokers, and Shad Pose. Tennessee Mist, White, Who Dat, and Don't Miss the School Bus. All crappie anglers should keep the Mr. Crappie Slabomatic Electric Filet Knife handy too. StrikeKing.com, Lose.com, and SmithProducts.com. Outdoor Texas Camps produces strong young women. Yeah, I was eight, so I was a camper for about three, four years. Like Faith, step one is attend an Outdoor Texas Camp. Get involved, and you never know where it will go from there. This camp like gave me foundational skills of like how to plan, how to like what does responsibility look like. If they they can come in knowing nothing, and they will leave with a whole new set of skills. Top-notch instructors teaching outdoor skills, hunting, fishing, and the shooting sports. Young ladies growing confident in their abilities. Like this camp, like yes, it's about hunting and fishing, and their skills learned. But I think they grow up in these camps. We see a kid that doesn't know what. Honestly, what responsibility is, they grow up. Outdoor Texas Camps is now taking enrollment for girls 9 to 17, with $400 scholarships available to young ladies in the North Texas area for Summer Camps 2022. Make it a summer of growth for the young lady in your life. It all starts at OutdoorTexasCamps.com. The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership 
Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups and we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean these people get to walk, they get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit Joshua Creek For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged into battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth. Who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. We believe that a creek full of fish and woods loaded with wildlife are good for our kids, and the kids tend to agree. At Tender Outdoors, we work hard to preserve both every day. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder, and we're talking to Larry Wysoon about hunting with handguns. I can't move on to uh, away from, from pistols without mentioning Ruger. Uh, and you mentioned Thompson Center. You've shot with a lot of different uh, brands. But your personal favorite has been for many years, Ruger. It, it really has been. Years ago, I served on staff with Shooting Times and sister publication called Handgunning, and I was the hunting editor on, on both. And uh, about the time that uh, this goes back in the 80s, uh, Ruger came out with the uh, Ruger uh, Super Blackhawk Hunter, which has a ribbed with integral scope mounts on it. That uh, And that that particular gun in the 44 mag using 240 grain uh, uh, Hornady XTP ammo it's unbelievably accurate, and it's one of those handguns. You know, sometimes you just kind of develop a relationship with with a firearm that just you have such great confidence in that you can almost close your eyes. You know, it's going to go in the right place. You know, kind of thing. That's kind of the way that that particular revolver is. And, and since that time, I've been using a bunch of other Ruger revolvers, particularly like in the 480, and I've got a 454 Sioux and and a 357 and a really good way to start out with is uh, to start out with a, with a 22, 
a long rifle a revolver and get used to seeing the sights or using the optics that you use. I'm using the Trigicon SRO sight, which is kind of a red dot sight. Now it helps for very quick target acquisition and, and it shoots very accurately, shoots much more accurately than open sights. But, you know, a 22 is an ideal way to do that. That way you get down your technique, uh, you, you start gaining some confidence in your ability and, and then you can step up to like a 357 magnum, which to me is kind of on the low side of of, uh, of the deer hunter side of things, it's probably more of an expert's gun, but then you kind of step up to the 44 mag, and I mean, I've shot all kinds of different things from elk on down with, with 44 mag, so I know it's capable of bringing that animal down quickly and humanely, and, and they're fun to shoot. They're, to me, yeah. they're an absolute blast to shoot. Yeah, and you've taken your 44 mag all over the world. Uh, a lot of guys are going to say, well, you know what, I've got a 357, let me just adapt to hunting with that. Uh, and there's a little bit of a warning that, that you gave us with that, and you even mentioned it just a few seconds ago. It's, it's kind of an expert's round. You really have to know bullet placement and where that, how that gun's going to perform at different distances and know your capabilities with that 357. You need a well-placed shot. That's exactly right. I mean, if you're going to use on the lower end of, of the uh, firearm calibers and, and rounds out there, it, Definitely. I mean, you want to do the same thing whether you're shooting a monster magnum or not, regardless of whether it's a rifle or handgun. As you mentioned, learn the capabilities of your firearm and your capabilities with it. But, uh, you know, with with handguns, if you shoot off of a it's kind of a rest. Uh, like anything else I learned a long time ago, that if I shoot a rifle off a rest, I shoot a whole lot more accurately than I do if I shoot offhand. And, and basically the, the same thing holds true with, with shooting the handguns as well, too. Yeah, so, hey, guys, if you're a three fifty seven guy and you're looking for an excuse to go buy that new pistol, 44 mag, there you go. Larry's taking Absolutely. down these round hairs in Alaska <laughs> with that thing. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the 44 mag is not the most powerful headgun in the world, but, uh, you know, it, it, it'll darn sure do the job on everything pretty much in North America, and, and, and I've used it over in Africa as well, too. So it's, it's a great handgun, and with the ammo that Hornady has available, for whatever reason, most 44 mags that I've ever shot, including some that were Rooker's years ago, uh, yeah. they really seem to do well with that 240, uh, 240 grain Ornid XTP in terms of accuracy. And that handgun we were mentioning a while ago, the, the Super Blackhawk Hunter Ruger that I've shot for so many years, with it from a good solid rest, I can shoot uh, at least a two-inch group with all six shots at 100 yards. So... You know, the accuracy on most all those guns is there in, in terms of, particularly in terms of hunter accuracy. Now, in terms of downrange energy, you know, to me, about 125, 150 yards is about the max of anything that I would want to shoot with most of the handguns that we shoot with. But uh, up until that range or whatever you feel comfortable with, that's the other side of things. But out to that range with a good solid rest, there's enough downrange energy to put that animal down very quickly and humanely. And again, that's... That's our, our goal, and every time we pull the trigger on something. You have a lot of options uh, as far as what to top that gun with, if you top it with anything at all, and that's going to have a lot to do with the terrain that you hunt. If you hunt really tight country, open sights uh, might be what you need, or if you hunt West Texas with a pistol, you might need uh, you know a, a something like you might put on top of an AR, or you could use a red dot. Site. You mentioned that as well in your article. Lots of op- opportunity and options there. There really are. I mean, it, 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 everybody has a preference uh, in, in terms of what they shoot and how they shoot handguns. If you've got great eyesight, then by all means, shoot open sights, you know, just with the sights that come on the gun. But if you 
that stage to where your eyesight could be a little bit better and you have a hard time seeing the backside, the front side, the target all at the same time, then you might want to start using a, a rhidoscope. There are several available through Trigicon, and they've got a new one that's an SR, they call the SRO, that will mount on any kind of revolver with just a little bit of adaptation as far as the, or even a, as like razor daub sheets, uh, semi-autos will fit on those as well too. But uh, those work out really nice, and then once you get into the long eye relief scopes, uh, if you're going to shoot a little bit longer range. But, again, to me, those sight scopes helps with the precise bullet placement, which is, again, so very important with regards to what you're shooting. Yeah, and then just briefly, uh, you're going to want to sight in uh, your pistol. We're talking about pistol hunting with Larry Wysoon today. Uh, you're, you're going to want to sight in, uh, in in the same distances and conditions that, uh, you're going to hunt in. So again, if that's real tight woods there in Pennsylvania, you know, 25 yards might be <laughs> where you want to be. Exactly. And what I'd strongly suggest to people to do is, is to get on the bench, find a good solid rest and make sure that that gun is shooting exactly where you want to at varying distance and then shoot at varying distances too. From now, if you sight in at 25 yards and, and then set up a target at 100 and see where, where you hit that target at, at that distance as well, too. So, again, it comes down to getting very familiar with, with your uh, with your particular firearm that you're using. Yeah. I would think that uh, hunting with a pistol, you know, is an advantage to a guy that's a spot-and-stalk guy because, you know, you, you that you're taking three feet away of movement. Uh, you've just got that little short pistol. Lots of advantages to uh, to hunting with a pistol. There, there really are. I mean, uh, they're they're lightweight to carry. There's so many different shoulder rings that are available these days that make them very comfortable to carry. And then you know, some people may prefer to carry them on their hip as well too, or carry them in the backpack, which is something that I've done quite often uh, when we've been doing spot and stalk in, in kind of rough terrain and get to a point to where you know, okay, now we're close enough. Now get the pistol out and again. Like, it just practice good gun safety, you know, making sure that the barrel's pointed in a safe direction and all those kind of things that we do normally anyway when we're hunting. But uh, there's so many different ways to carry it. I, I want to go back a little bit to shooting off the bench. Once you shoot from the bench, then shoot from hunting positions. I mean, use a post as a rest. Use a cross shooting sticks as a rest. I quite often use my backpack or my hat as a rest. So learn how to shoot accurately at the bench, but then also how to learn how to shoot in all kinds of situations that you might encounter when you're out in the field. Yeah, really good point. Uh, if you guys want to read the article, it's good stuff. It's uh, the December 4th uh, edition of Sporting Classics Daily that published Guns and Loads for Handgun Hunting by our buddy Larry Wysoon. You go have yourself a Merry Christmas, and then I will see you shake your hand in Dallas in just a couple of weeks. Uh, again, same to you with a Merry Christmas to you and your listeners, and really look forward to seeing you in Dallas there on the uh, – DSD Conservation Stage, sponsored by Trivicon this year. That's my old friend Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail, wildlife biologist, outdoor writer, television host, podcaster, broadcaster, grandpa, and all around good old boy, talking about hunting with handguns. Hey, if you hear something on the show that you'd like to hear again, uh, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. We keep a really good record there of everything that we do here. Also, the podcast, it's available at kinderoutdoors.com. And wherever you get your podcast, we're everywhere. And the download is absolutely free. Just let them know that you'd like to have Kinder Outdoors downloaded to your device every week. They'll do it without you sending a reminder or a nickel. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. 
And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm always thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. You know, this is a fast-changing world. As a matter of fact, you may not recognize your little universe as compared to just two years ago. But there are some bedrock stepping stones that'll take you through tough times. If you want to catch the girl, be nice. If you want to catch the ball, use both hands. And if you want to catch the fish, start early. About 6.45. And stick with what's dependable like Chevy trucks. At Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we work hard every day to be dependable in delivering you and your precious cargo to the fishing hole, whether that's across the county or the country, and back again. At Classic Chevrolet, we can't make love grow, (laughs) but we can be dependable in making sure that you're there when it does. Have you ever hugged or kissed a fish before? Yep. (laughs) ClassicChevrolet.com. When you drop your wild game off at Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing, go ahead, order up your ground meat and breakfast sausage. But don't stop there. We worked on a taco meat for three years to where women and kids would eat it and a chili that we make now where you just take these things home and just throw them in a crock pot or fry them in a pan and they're ready to go. Our tamales are probably hands down to anyone. They're double meat and, you know, masa. And they're simple and they're, and they're, we just can't make them fast enough. They're fully cooked. All you got to do is poke two or three holes in the bag that we give them to you in and throw them in the microwave for three and a half minutes aside. And it's like we just pulled them out of our steamer the day we made them. These items have become staples in our home. Robin's favorite is the taco meat. I'm partial to the tamales. And what a feast when we put it all together for friends and family. Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing, just north of Fort Worth, about a mile from Cabela's as the crow flies. CinnamonCreekRanch.com. There are some very important factors to check when purchasing a hunting blind. They need to be quiet. They need to have an all-day hunt level of comfort. It's got to be dry inside, even in a downpour. Dillon hunting blinds have earned a strong reputation across North America for their durability, insulation, and marine decking fiberglass floor that will never rot in every blind. Plus smart components like an aluminum RV type door, real glass in the windows that flip in and up with quiet and simple to use friction hinges, drip rails on the windows and above the door to keep the wet out. Hey, anyone can build a box. Dillon builds hunting blinds. Conceived, drawn up, constructed, and used by hunters. Lightweight and durable, completely assembled, fiberglass inside and out, with foam insulation in between. You can't beat a Dillon. For a dealer near you or to become a dealer, visit DillonMANUF.com. That's D-I-L-L-O-N-M-A-N-U-F.com. You know, as bird hunters and bird dog owners, we've seen our wild bird hunting opportunities dwindle in recent years. And if you, like me, don't want to kennel your bird dog in the spring just to let him hibernate till fall, then you should take a long look at the world's largest field trial organization, the National Shoot to Retrieve Association, or NASTRA. This was the very idea of NASTRA's founding fathers back in the 1960s. They wanted to extend time in the field with the dogs that they loved. And it must have been a pretty good idea, because over the years, many thousands of men, women, teens, and families have enjoyed participating in NASTRA field trials. 
All pointing breeds are welcome, and there's no need to be intimidated. Nestra sponsors over 1,000 field trials across the U.S. and Canada each year. It's at these trials where your dog can earn his Nastra championship, qualify for entry into your regional championship, and Nastra's five national championships. Take a look at our website, nstra.org, and consider visiting a local trial. We look forward to meeting you. The fish came from our waters, the meat from our fields, the heritage and history from our hearts. Glad you're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. Lots of great memories through the years here at Kinder Outdoors, all revolving around the wonderful people that we've been able to spend time with. Folks like Old Mountain Man from Duck Dynasty. Mountain Man, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Good to be here. You know, uh, you, you've, done, you've done radio a long time yourself. Are you still doing your radio show? Yeah, still doing it every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about down there these days? What's the hot topic? Oh, well, I'm laying off politics till they make me a little madder. We talk about the fishing. We talk about hunting. We talk about what's going on. Uh... I do a funny uh, newscast on there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I What's just... been going on in the news in Monroe? What's the latest uh, that you've uh, had to pass along to everybody? Oh, everybody's griping because it's been so hot and everybody's getting sick. Some of them getting the flu. Some of them getting pneumonia. There's a lot of griping going on now. But it always gets like that when it's hot. Yeah. And as soon as we get some cool weather, it's like everything flip-flops. Everybody's getting their bows out now. They're getting their bows out. They're getting in the woods. Archery season's open on the deer. Squirrel season opened up this weekend, and everybody's getting happy, getting excited about some cool weather. Yeah, everybody's getting, my neck kind of starts swelling up this time of year, you know. I know it. I start working my head on that old bed post <laughs> on my bed, rubbing my top of my head. There. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Mountain Man, uh, it had to be a surprise to uh, to you guys. Way back when Duck Dynasty took off, and, and your community was featured, and you characters that hang out together and just day-to-day life on people's television screens. Was it a shock to you how big that thing got? It was. It was a shock, I tell you. And um, I wasn't supposed to be on with one show, and they kept bringing me in. And when they started that show out, and they were dressed like sharp-dressed duck men, and they had ZZ-type playing, and some reason I just knew it was going to be a kick when it took off and to keep a clean show. Yeah. That's what really kept it going and the prayer at yeah. the end of the show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You bet. No matter what they tell us in Hollywood, we still like to get on our knees and take our hat off in this country, a great many of us. And, uh, and you guys said, hey, it's okay. We, it's all right. It's all right. It worked out real well. Uh, pre- people appreciated that. And... We rolled five years on it, and um, so the words out, it got to be uh, such a hassle with some of them in um, Hollywood. Seems like, you know, L.A.'s affiliated with any powerful network stations, and 
I just, I think they got tired of it and just went off of it. But, uh, hey, you never know. Might be something else come out. Yep, that's exactly right. Let's talk about crappie a little bit because you people down in Louisiana, you uh, confuse me. Some of you folks call them white bass or white perch. Some of you folks call them sockelay. I still don't know what that means. (laughs) And then some of you folks down there call them crappie. So, how do you, if I go to Louisiana, what do I call? Well, if you're going to be south of Alexandria, which is about halfway up and down the state, it'll probably be Sockelay. Okay. And that's what the Cajuns, the French call them. You get up my neck, the redneck woods, it's a white perch. And if somebody don't call them a Sockelay or a white perch, they call them a crappie. Or a crappy, or a speck. Yep. They're probably from out of town, <laughs> somewhere. Or Don't trust those people too much, do you? No, no. But yeah, I think there's five, six different names. You looked them all up, but they all got one thing in common. Yes, they do. They taste good. Oh man, uh, peanut oil, salt and pepper, a little uh, cornmeal. You're good to go. That's right. I turned mine loose in Crisco Pond. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way that works out. Yeah. Uh, mountain man, uh, uh, you were talking about the hunting and fishing. I, I grew up in a little old place called Mineral Wells, Texas, and and the, our world revolved around what season it was. And it seems like that's the world you live in too. If it's springtime, we're going to go bass fishing. They're spawning. The crappie are spawning. If it's fall, we've got our bows out chasing deer. If it's duck season, you just do what's next. Do what's next, because. You know, in hunting seasons, you only get so long to stock up. You know, you got to take advantage of it. And um, a lot of times it'll be rainy or cold or something during the hunting season. But, you know, you only got a limited amount of time. It ain't yeah. like fishing. So you just get on out there and get after it and stock your freezer up. Yeah. And, you know, you got to have something to go along with them fish. Talk to me a little bit about your growing up years. I, I guess... Uh, your family, your daddy, your granddaddy hunted fish. Mm-hmm. That's where you learned it. Oh yeah, my dad. He was an avid hunter and fisher. Coming up, he was brought up around the West Monroe area, and he loved to fish. He loved to hunt, duck hunt. He never deer hunted except yeah. one or two times, and uh, that was when he lived up in Minnesota. But uh, he loved that duck hunting and squirrel hunting and, you know, bird hunting, yeah. pheasants or not pheasants. He did hunt some up in Minnesota, but those uh, quail, he hunted a lot of quail and he always liked to duck hunt, dove hunt, did a lot of dove hunting. Yeah. So. I guess toted you along with him. Yes, he did. Yeah, he got me started first in squirrel hunting and dove hunting. And I didn't think I'd ever get the hang of them flying targets, but I learned how he taught me how to shoot and even taught me how to frog hunt and yeah. about everything in between. You were talking about how good those crappie are. Those frogs ain't bad. Them frogs ain't bad at all. Good. I remember as a kid, we'd go out when we was just teenagers and get them frogs. And we'd be out all night and bring them in. And he'd say, y'all get them frogs skinned up? I'd say, yes, sir. He said, well, 
Let me see them things. He would fry them up in the morning there with eggs. We'd have frog legs and eggs. You can't beat it, that mountain man. Yeah. That's good stuff. Good Maybe some grits on the side. Uh, he did have that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Those cathead biscuits. Now we got it going oh, on. Man. That's yeah. a good deal. Talk to us a little bit about squirrels because you said squirrels and some folks up north listening to this show raised an eyebrow today because they see them at the bird feeder. They don't see them in the skillet, but that old limb bacon's not bad either. Oh, no. Well, he taught me how to squirrel hunt, and he, he joked about squirrel hunting up in Minnesota when I was too little to really hunt up there. He he went squirrel hunting, and some people come down there and asked him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm shooting squirrels. They said, squirrels? Said, what you going to do with them? He said, I'm going to eat them. I said, eat them? <laughs> Never heard of it. But, uh, yeah, they said, get all you want. Thought he was nuts. But um, he taught me how to squirrel hunt at an early age. And uh, I listened to everything he said. The main thing was to be quiet, you know, in the yeah. woods. Don't step on something. He'd always get on and I'd break a branch or something. <laughs> but uh, How do you like them? How do you cook your squirrels? You smother them? <laughs> Yeah, I take in squirrels. Uh, I take the musk glands out of them. A lot of people don't know they got a musk gland in the back leg right behind the knee. Cut in there about a quarter inch, pull that little old grayish yellow gland out. Yeah. Soak them in salt water overnight after you cut them up. And then, like, batter them up and fry them kind of like chicken. Yeah. And uh, when you get them brown, take the grease off and add some water and flour and yeah. maybe a rubeck. I see where you're going make, make Make a gravy. Make yeah. a gravy and cook them a long time, you know, like cast iron pot with a lid on it. Wow. And then make you a big old pot of rice. Yes, sir. Get after it. <laughs> Mountain man. Hey, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together here in this camp house today. And thank you for hanging out with us, too. I want to invite you back next time around. Until then, may God bless you and your bunch. Woo! <laughs>